Hi there, thanks for joining. Welcome to the podcast Well Well with your host, Kelly Steckler. This podcast exists to help you on your healing journey so that you can live your most authentic and fulfilling life. Well Well features a mix of guests as well as personal stories and insights from yours truly as I discover my path towards healing. Thanks for joining as we dive into the healing experience. Let's get healing. Thank you, Francesca, for coming back on our two-part, it's a two-part episode series. You know, this topic is really close to my heart as well because, and I think that's what originally drew um, me to you and having you on the podcast in general is I know that we share a main um, common passion in yoga. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have you on today to chat through various aspects of yoga, ranging from the benefits, how you found the practice, um, what types of yoga there are that you can practice. And then we'll do a short Mythbusters at the end. But just to provide a little bit of context, so Francesca and I actually know each other from Core Power originally. So both based in Austin, I got certified for to teach yoga at Core Power back in 2017, and then was offered a position to teach at the studio um, under Francesca, which she was managing at the time. And since then, I've been working um, with Francesca just as a yoga teacher and just look up to you all the yoga in life things. So thank you again for coming on and just sharing more about this passion that we both share. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. All right. So I know that and would love for you to dive a bit deeper into your past experience, but you've been teaching for almost 10 years now, right? Yeah, literally that seems wild. I'm 30 <laughs> and I've been teaching yoga since I was 20. Just seems like why? How am I doing this? That's what sometimes I ask myself that. How did this happen? When you say things like in a certain amount of years, you're like, oh gosh, I feel old. Yeah. I also feel old, (laughs) weirdly old. I don't know why. Oh my God. Hopefully guys, you're not old if you're 30 or older. Okay. You're still young and beautiful and great. (laughs) I just feel old. (laughs) Um, So tell me a little bit about how you found yoga. I think one of the most amazing things during teacher training when you get certified is everyone sharing how they found the practice because it's usually in a moment of need almost where you use it as an outlet for, you know, something in your life. But I'm curious about how you found the practice. I first started yoga primarily as a way to rehabilitate. I played very competitive soccer growing up for, it was called WAGS, Washington Area Girls Soccer. Uh, So it was very competitive. A lot of people do that and then they go play on their high school teams and a lot of them get recruited to college. It's just very high high competition. Some of the best like young women athletes in that area at that time. And I was going into my freshman year of high school and a lot of the girls who I knew we who played on the same soccer team together or were into soccer or wanted to play in high school, we all joined cross country. We were like, oh, this will be a great way to stay in shape. And it ended up being really, actually really fun. You can't catch me running for anything these days, uh, <laughs> maybe for some pizza or a bottle of uh, wine. But it was really awesome. I got in such good shape. It's really actually an awesome team sport. So if, if anyone has kids and they want to join cross country, it's great. Uh, very, really keeps you in a really strong mindset, uh, kind of a no quit mindset too, because you just got to move your legs. But, you know, sidebar to that, I was running, my friend Bethany and I were running, we were pretty, we're getting really close to making the varsity team. So we, we had this meet and invitational. We also play on the same soccer team. And so we ran the race. We both won for our JV race, which meant the next race we could run varsity. And so we were so super excited. Fast forward though, I had to, had to get to the soccer game. I was playing goalie at the time 
the goalie we had was an Olympic shot putter. So she couldn't, wasn't really supposed to play because she kept getting concussions and then she can't, you know, pre-Olympic shot put and all those things. Casual. Yeah, casual, you know, <laughs> casual. These are probably details no one really needs to know. And, you know, you're listening to this, so you have to listen now. <laughs> but my dad rushed us to the game and, and they were like, oh, we have a goalie. So Francesca will just play another position. So I ended up playing a striker position, running, doing all the things. And then a girl just smacked me right in the knee with her foot and I tore my ACL and I was devastated. It turned out being pretty great though, because I actually was losing my really passion for soccer anyway. So it kind of gave me this really weird and painful out to try something new and different. It's so weird because I actually did not notice this until just now that you tore your ACL playing soccer in high school because I actually tore my ACL playing soccer in high school. Oh, man, we are twins, yeah. kindred spirits. Yeah, but it, for me, I was actually devastated because that was my that was like my sport. And I thought, of course, when you're in high school, like the world is ending, oh, my yes, life is always. ending. It's just so like the dramatic downfall of having an injury. Anyways, proceed. <laughs> oh, my I was gosh. like, oh my I gosh, know. I didn't know that. I know, isn't that wild? It's, well, it's just crazy how like, it's just all those experiences. We kind of talked about last episode, how you just have so many experiences that are kindred with other people, but you never know until you talk about them. So yeah, I tore my ACL. I was a freshman. I had my surgery the day before my birthday. My birthday's on Halloween. So I was in a hospital. Like happy birthday. I know. Happy birthday. You got a new, (laughs) a new knee. Um, and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't play soccer anymore, which I was really sad about, you know, especially even though I didn't really want to, the girls were getting all geared up and, you know, I ended up running track, which went very well. It was a good journey for me. But I wanted to do more. And when I was rehabbing, I it, you can't do a ton. Like you don't have a lot of range of motion, all these things. So I worked, my first job was at working at a childcare at a gym. So I had access to fitness classes and things like that. So I started doing yoga classes and Pilates classes. And even though the yoga at the gym, it wasn't probably the best yoga I've ever taken. It connected with me so much that I felt like it was really challenging there was like the spiritual aspect that I didn't know I needed or wanted that was in there that really spoke to me. So I ended up doing that. I grew up um, south of DC. It's a really small town. So yoga wasn't really big there. One woman opened a studio. One woman opened a studio and I ended up practicing there and I just started going like every single day. I'd go every day. And it was almost, it was really competitive at first. And I was like, I want to get crow pose before this girl I don't like in my math class gets crow pose because that's what yoga is about. And yeah, right. It's all about the competition, about being that girl that I don't like in math class. But it ended up being this really cool place. The woman who owned it was just this like totally quirky woman who was just wild, like dyeing her hair pink and blue and, you know, had all these tattoos and was wearing gaucho pants and like had these big fake boobs. And it was just like this hilarious first introduction to yoga. But with all of that, when you look at her, you wouldn't necessarily think yogi, but she had so many experiences, so many things to share with me. And she really took me under her wing and I like maybe paid for yoga a month and then I would be like I'll come early and clean the studio I'll paint the walls I'll check people in so I was able to trade her for a lot so I would go every single day and I would go and it it became this space where I didn't realize it at first but it was really starting to heal me from the inside out which was just an incredible feeling fast forward ended up doing teacher training in college and you know if you want to hear more about this you can listen to part one of the episode we did last week but I ended up having this experience in teacher training where we had to do this meditation and the meditation was extremely difficult for me and it really brought up a lot of my past trauma and it really needed to happen because it was something that you wouldn't do on your own. You wouldn't do this type of meditation and be like, this is going to bring up all my trauma. This will be great. I'm going to love it. It happened. I didn't know it was going to happen. And so I experienced all of this and it was this big wash of like, 
sadness, but like healing and all of these things. So I sometimes even say that I really think yoga even just saved my life, saved everything about maybe that wasn't going well with my spirit and really ushered me into a place of exploration, like physically and like spiritually and emotionally. It's so interesting to me how, and I find that this happens a lot, like with myself coming into yoga years and years back, but also just students that we teach now of what you originally came to yoga for has now shifted over time that while you also receive that, you know, uh, rehabilitated type um, benefit from yoga, it just became so much more than what you originally intended for it to be or to help with. Oh yeah. I would say probably, I don't really know anyone who really went to yoga because they were like, I want a spiritual awakening. <laughs> they went because they were like, well, I want to learn how to handstand or I want to get a yoga butt or I want it, to, it all, I think most of the time we go in thinking that it's just going to be a physical practice. I don't, I mean, please tell me if you're someone who went in for the spiritual aspect because I've just never seen it. I, I actually would say that I didn't go for, I don't want to say like a quote unquote spiritual aspect, but when I moved to San Francisco after college years ago, didn't know anyone, started a new job, just a lot of change. I was, I had so much anxiety and was dealing with depression and I just did not know how to cope and being fairly competitive and just into sports my whole life. My dad was like, maybe you should try yoga. And I was like, no, that sounds weird. Like <laughs> that doesn't sound like in my wheelhouse at all. And it was almost to the point of like, I felt so desperate for something to, to change within myself that I didn't know what avenue to choose. And so I finally went to a yoga class and just like you, like one, one time a week turned into two times a week. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I, it was my ritual. And that was for me, like, I wouldn't say that was a spiritual awakening, but like a lot of like internal like mm -hmm. conflict and dilemma and just, you know, just those things that sit heavy on your chest that you're trying to deal with. That's what it originally helped me for. And then on the like other benefit, I was like, oh, I can kind of do the splits now. So that's fun. <laughs> uh, but also I'm awakened and flexible. Yeah. There are so many things people experience. One of the first and foremost ways people experience things is through their senses, whether it's like seeing, touching, feeling, smelling. And the physical movement of the body can do so much. You don't know why yoga helped your anxiety or helped your depression, but there's a space of like you move your body in this, this rhythmic way and you learn these breath cycles or these pranayama, these breath patterns, and you learn about the history or you learn about the chakras and you or you learn about the people who created the practice and what they meant. And you just connect with people who like to take care of their bodies and are doing all these things that create this space of healing. So I think, yeah, you go in and you're like, I think this might make me feel better, question mark. I don't know. You go, you feel the physical, and then it starts to become a lot more. It starts to become this place where you uh, really start to heal from. I feel like it's outside in, but also inside out. Yeah. Because like you, you work the muscles, you work the bones, you work the joints, but then like you work your heart muscle and like your feeling muscle and your brain muscle and you work all these things that help you sort of shift and grow. I even remember when I first got into yoga, I would go to class and it was the first time I was really mindful about what I ate because I never wanted to go to yoga and then go eat a hamburger afterwards. I wanted something light and it just, yeah. it started being this actually, this just sort of like lifelong change for me where I just got more in tune. And it's weird that that just happens because I took, you know, a yoga class and did a class for an hour, did some warrior ones. And all of a sudden I want to treat my body better. Like that I think is incredible. 
it's it's crazy the natural progression you can see in your like you said like not only your physical body but how you operate on an emotional level on a mental level spiritual level like all these things are so and what's really great about yoga is you start to see how so intertwined everything is Mm -hmm. because it's easy to see them as separate it's easy to feel like you know oh I want to get stronger with my muscles so I'm just going to like lift weights or do these things and it's like with yoga like it is all encompassing it's all interconnected which I think is an amazing benefit that I didn't originally notice to your point like sometimes even today I can't quite articulate what yoga does to me on like every level but even I told you I took your class this morning your yoga class this morning and within the first two minutes of just laying down hearing you just basically bring everyone into awareness of your space I was like almost on the verge of tears and that rarely ever happens and so it's just a really powerful practice yeah it's this practice of being and being still and yes do I want to do a handstand absolutely and is that the most important thing no the most important thing is being in that present space and I think that goes with that idea of healing and getting to know yourself there's just I don't even know I same thing I don't even know if I can really put into words like the magic that happens when you move your body in a space with like humans you don't even know and with vinyasa yoga it's like breath to movement flowing you move, everyone's moving at the same breath pace. It's just like you feel this vib- vibration, you feel this energy. And it's like, you're just healed by this room of strangers that they don't, you probably don't even know their name, but yeah. you're all, you're all there because you're yearning for some sort of feeling. Who knows what it is, but you all have one thing in common. It's, and it's almost that too. It reminds me of even, it's just the human experience. You know, what this, what this podcast is about. It's like, you're all experiencing this one experience together and it's just so humanizing. It's just like so there. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I get like goosebumps thinking about I know. it. It's like a very raw experience of like yeah. layers are peeled away. You're in there all together. Like you said, like the energy is truly a vibration of you. I always notice a difference of when I'm practicing at home by myself versus when I'm in a room. I think yoga works for, I don't know, different types of yoga um, and where you practice, I think permeates with different people. But for me, I can tell a difference in how I feel and the feeling I'm left with after class when I'm in a room, even with a total strangers moving with my body and with my breath Mm -hmm. among people who are doing the same. It just, it's, yeah, it's hard to describe. Yeah. And it's, I talk to my students a lot about like witnessing, like you show up and you're here. So like be here, like you could be anywhere else, but you chose to be here. So take up space. And that's another thing. I think yoga can give you this space where you are a witness to other people's journey, whether that's their physical journey, their like postures, maybe gaining weight, losing weight, whatever it is that could be their mental journey, like depression, anxiety, their spiritual journey. What do they believe in? What are they trying to do on this earth? But you're just there as a witness to them. You don't even know what's going on with them, but you're there as a witness and they're there to witness you. And it's just this space when you're in the community that fits you, you really feel it no matter what. Yeah. In regards to like the benefits that you can encounter from practicing yoga, like what are some of the benefits? And I I know that you touched on this briefly a few minutes back of not only was it like a rehabilitative aspect and then also all these different areas, but you know, in your 10 years of teaching and practicing, how have you seen yoga come into your life and benefit you? And then on top of that, the students that you teach, like what are the benefits, what other benefits have you heard that have helped people? 
gosh, I think there's so many. I think for my students, I've seen, you know, simply even like losing weight or getting more toned, which people don't necessarily match up with yoga, but you are moving your body. Yoga is not easy. Even I even think even gentle yoga is not easy because there's going to be some hard part about it, whether it's mental or physical. So depending on what type you practice, you might get a lot of discipline out of it. And these are things I think I found too. I'm going to kind of mush those together because you could get toned, you can get stronger. There's a piece of discipline depending on what you practice. If it's more of like a set sequence style, like an ashtanga or maybe a more fluid style, you start to gain aspects of that practice, whether it's pure discipline where you hit this pose every time for this many times for this duration and you're in it until you're not in it anymore. Or it's fluid, it's flowing, it's about feeling into your body, being in the space. So it's different types of discipline, I think. Rehabilitation for things that you hurt. Like I said, my knee, it was one of the only things I could do because it was so low impact. One of the only things I could do after my knee surgery that didn't really hurt. And I didn't, there's only a few poses that really bothered my knee, but then I could opt out. It's a space where you can, again, for myself and for my students, I've seen them really just really be okay with being themselves being able to look at other people, maybe doing handstands or all this crazy stuff that they can't do and genuinely being like, I'm here and I'm doing enough. So that's probably one of my my most favorite. But of course there's flexibility. There's that energy of doing yoga and yeah, I've done yoga and definitely like gone to a big boozy brunch. I don't always want to though because I feel so in tune with what I'm doing that I really want to take care of my body and I make choices that then take care of my body. So I honestly think it's like endless. It's it's physical, it's physical gains, it's emotional gains, spiritual gains. But the biggest thing is just feeling more comfortable in your body, which I feel like I found with myself and with my students. But it's also endless. You just you never know what people are going through either. Sometimes my students tell me after the fact that they were experiencing depression or anxiety. And when they come take class, that's like the one time that they don't. So there's just so many endless positive things you can experience from going to a yoga class. How did you know that you wanted to teach? Because I, you know, often with teaching a class, it does, well, I'll speak on a personal level. They always say, I remember going through teacher training. They're like, when you enter into the teaching aspect of yoga, like be okay with the fact that it will make your personal practice suffer in the sense of you are now constantly very attuned to how someone else's teaching style is or, you know, potentially like taking these nuggets of information from a certain class and now incorporating it into your class. And it, it just takes away from like you being really centered with yourself and rooting down and just doing like a lot of internal, but also external work, all the benefits that you've mentioned, sometimes it does take away from that in your own personal Mm -hmm. practice when you teach. So what led you to this moment of you saw the benefits of this practice and then you're like, I, I want to teach and I want to bring this to other people. Like, what was that journey like for you? Gosh, it was so, it felt very obvious to me. I was doing yoga and even though I probably wasn't doing it for the right reasons, again, back to the girl in my math class I didn't like and I really want to do crow pose better than her. (laughs) But even then I kept going and I was like, I think I just want to do teacher training. I want to learn more. And I guess maybe I didn't know off the bat I wanted to teach, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. I think I just remember it feeling, it was like, uh, you put on a pair of pants you, that were made like right, like perfectly for you. Like I just slid on like a second skin. You know what I mean? It was, it just like I knew. I knew that I wanted to do it. And jumping off of, you know, that teacher training, 
thing that you were saying is that sometimes people go and they think they want to teach and then they don't. Mm -hmm. It just kind of depends. Sometimes you go in, you're like, I'm going to teach. And then you learn about it and you don't want your personal practice to suffer. And you don't, you want to keep it just for yourself because it's really powerful. But either way, I think, I think they're both great options. I just felt so pulled to share what I experienced to other people. I don't know why or how it's just something that happened. It was just like, like I said, it was like a pair of pants that were made just for me. I just knew it. But I, I would also say that as a teacher, once you learn more, I think you, once you learn about anything, you're always going to judge people for how they say it or what they're doing. Cause mm-hmm. you're like, well, that's not how I learned it. Or so that's also just being really open to different lineages and different things people say, and also taking little nuggets. I've, I've been told that some, my, my yoga class was the worst class someone ever took and they would never take it again. And I was just like, help. And I've also been to classes where I was like, that was the worst class I've ever taken. I'm never yeah. taking again. And even then, I've still been able to pull one nugget out of every class I've ever taken, no matter how magical or not magical it seemed. So it's just that idea of following following whatever is your calling, really. Like I said, it was definitely a calling for me. And I I could see why people would say your personal practice can suffer, especially as a director of yoga and like taking people's classes and giving feedback. That's just something though. I mean, the more you learn about anything, the more you're going to be more particular because you have right. a specific way to do it. Right. So, And it's also nice knowing that like what I always try to remind myself when I teach, because in this could be a different topic entirely of like, I get severe imposter syndrome. I feel like I need to be the most true expert in this practice to be able to give this practice to other people through teaching. And I know that that's not true, but it's also knowing that people prefer different styles and that's okay. Like I've always heard the, the expression, like you could be the sweetest peach juiciest peach on the tree and someone just might not like peaches like it's okay with not being the most not every single person is going to like your class not every single person is going to be attracted to your style of teaching and that's just a sidebar note that I've learned along the way yeah and let me tell you what nothing frustrates me more as a member of the yoga community than the judgment that happens like it's okay not to like someone's class or whatever that happens like you said you they just might not like peaches and that's okay what the, uh, going to that imposter syndrome, I think is just like what I've experienced with my students as they're so nervous about yoga because it's so intimidating. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what a Chaturanga Dandasana is? Who knows what a Tadasana? No one knows these words. You know what I mean? And once you know it, it's not as scary, but there's also this vibe of like, oh, well, they just sit and they're vegetarian or vegan and mm-hmm. they don't do anything. And they, it's this, I, it just bugs me so much. I just want people to understand that yoga can be whatever you need it to be. And it doesn't have to be this really scary thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's actually a perfect segue into the Mythbusters piece because I do want to touch on this. This is a this is something that I hear probably the most often of all of my friends. It's like, or I would say more so people that I don't know and they find out that I do teach yoga and their f- like first reaction off of hearing that is, oh, I can never do yoga. It's way too intimidating or I'm not a yogi. And I feel like there's this misconception out there that to practice yoga, you have to be like this most cookie cutter yogi or like, you know, fit into this box of this st- certain stereotype. And I personally know that that's not the case because I don't feel like I fit into that stereotype even. But like, what are your thoughts on that of feeling like, people being so intimidated by the fact of, you know, potentially being open to trying yoga, but falling short of actually taking that step into the studio because they're so nervous about potentially being judged or how they'll be perceived because they don't fit into that style. Let me tell you what, you go look at the studios. It's a bunch of white girls who are skinny teaching yoga. And that is 
That's the truth. So they're not wrong. They're not wrong to feel uncomfortable because that's kind of what it looks like. You look at magazines, it's all a bunch of white girls teaching yoga and that's okay. And there's also a bunch of other people who do it too. And just knowing that anyone who comes in and feels uncomfortable is go in, understand that you don't have to be any certain thing to be a yogi. I I don't... Maybe it's just, I don't know, people get mad at, yoga people might get mad at me for this. I just don't think there's such a thing anymore. There's no such thing as like a yogi or a yogini. It's just like, you practice yoga, that makes you a yogi. You do your little chaturangas and you're on your yoga mat stretching, you're a yogi. It's, it's you don't have to look a certain way or eat a certain thing or even necessarily believe a certain thing to do it. It's Yoga is one of those things I think that can be really whatever you want it to be at whatever point. I even tell my students, like, if you want to be in Shavasana, like laying down resting for an hour, that's your yoga. Yeah. It could be anything. So I would, I don't ever want people to feel intimidated. I know it's kind of be scared to try anything new. Sometimes you just got to find the place that fits, like the, find that vibe that fits you too. Yeah. Yeah. How would you advise or like, what advice would you give to people who are wanting to try a yoga class, but are too scared to like jump in the studio and really like make that first step? I mean, at first, maybe maybe try some online videos or something just so you feel a little bit more aware. Usually if I have someone who's never tried it, whether it's my friend or someone who's coming to te- uh, t- take my class at a studio, I'll ask them, have you done it before? Like, what else do you do? People, Some people forget that even if you do any sort of physical activity, walking, running, lifting weights, anything that requires some sort of mindfulness about your body, you'll probably do okay. Um, and also know, you might not know what's going on the whole time. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think when people try to pick up any type of, or I always try to say, like, think of yoga, like any type of hobby that you would pick up. Like if you were to think about playing the guitar, you're not going to pick up the guitar one day and be able to just like bust out the most amazing song. There is a learning curve to it. So being okay with the fact that you might not know everything, you might not jump right into it naturally right away is completely okay. And I think people do have this idea that, like, like I said, you have to walk into the room and know exactly what you're doing. You have to know what every pose means. I know that a lot of yoga practices um, incorporate Sanskrit, which people might not understand what certain poses are. So I know that that aspect can be very intimidating and just being able to be okay with the fact that there is a learning curve to this new type of hobby that you want to embrace. Oh, absolutely. And I love the analogy with the guitar. I would also say, talk to your instructor. Like if, if there's a class that doesn't if you can't make it to maybe a beginner class, like you only can make it to this one class, go up to the instructor and be like, hey, I've maybe done five classes, maybe one, maybe zero. This is the only class I can make, but I really want to try yoga. Can you please keep your eye out for me? And if they're thoughtful and a mindful teacher, they will keep their eye out for you. Maybe they'll tell you a place to go in the room. It's really just about being really open and honest and knowing that like you might mess up or not get it for the first couple classes. The cool thing about yoga is that it's kind of all the same. Like, it's not like they just make up new poses every day. It's it's the general set of a bunch of poses that were created many, many years ago. So things will repeat and you'll see them. So it's it, it's all, it's like everything else. It's practice, it's repetition. It's just trusting that it's okay to not know what you're doing and then get more fluid with it and, and more aware of it as you keep going. Right, absolutely. All right, thank you. So second myth buster is there's only... I wouldn't say like the common myth buster is there's only one type of yoga, but the conception that there is only one style of yoga that you can practice. So I'll give you an example. For instance, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I can never do yoga. It's too hot because it's over, you know, 
200 degrees in the room and that's just not my style. And of course, again, like I know that that's not the case. There are so many different styles of yoga that you can practice that might be a good fit for you. So tell me a little bit about the different styles of yoga and like in what way might you want to venture off into that certain style? Yeah, I mean, they all come from a few lineages. I would say the sort of main practices are Ashtanga, which is a a set series practice. Um, There is more of the hot yoga created by Bikram style practice, another set series with specific postures. And really from, I would say from basically those two things, everything else sort of happened. So now there's a lot of different types of hot yoga. There's flowing practices. Oh, you know what? There's also Iyengar. So that was that's another um, vinyasa styled practice as well. But there are lots of lineages, lots of styles. There, people create their own yoga. I think the, I don't know if those are as, as important as really knowing that First and foremost, maybe you say like, do I like to be sweaty? Like, do I want to be hot yoga or do I not really work with heat? Those, that's probably the easiest way to go about it. You kind of decide, do you want to hold postures for an extended period of time or do you want to flow? So that would give you into two different sects. Do you want something that changes all the time or something that stays the same? So you just kind of ask yourself those questions. What are you really trying to get out of the practice? And from there, you probably can start to try some things out. If you want to learn lots of arm balances and versions, probably some sort of vinyasa or ashtanga based class is really good for you. If you want to do the same series over and over, that kind of builds or has some advancements, but in general stays the same, a hot set sequence is probably good for you. So I would say, ask yourself, hot or not hot, flowy or maybe slower. Um, And then kind of what are you trying to get out of it? Is it more flexibility? Is it more strength? There's just I mean, we could talk all, we could like Google all day about all the zillion <laughs> no, types. No, I think that was a good endless. decision tree yeah. for people to actually, and I like how you rephrase that as terms of like not gravitating towards a certain, you know, type or style of yoga, but like, what are you trying to get out of it? Or yeah. what can you, you know, what do you gravitate more towards? And I think that's easy to align with in terms of like, do I want a heated class or do I want something that's non-heated? And then being able to like, you know, pivot off of those needs or things that you gravitate towards. Yeah. And you should be able to contact any studio and they, and tell them that this is what my goals are or whatever they might be. And they should be able to tell you this class might not work for you or this class would, I would hope so. Anyway, that's my goal when I talk to people. Okay. Last and final myth buster is I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes or I'm not flexible or X, Y, Z excuse. Oh yeah. (laughs) You got to do yoga to do those things. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not, I don't consider myself a super flexible yogi. I'm definitely more of a powerful yogi. I really loved all the arm balances and inversions because I've always been very athletic. Flexibility is not something that comes naturally to me. But again, that's not the point. The, The point is feeling this physicality and hopefully maybe it takes you somewhere else over time and to work like your heart muscle, your brain muscle, your emotional muscle, whatever that might be. But it's okay. And and you're not going to get more flexible by just not doing it. You're not going to get more flexible by go taking a cycling class or lifting kettlebells or whatever it might be. You got to put in the work to be more flexible if that's what you want to do. If not, right. that's okay. But yeah, it's just, you got to just try it or do it. That's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we said before, you can't be perfect at the guitar the first time you pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
As this is a fully self-funded podcast, any love and support you can show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts would be so greatly appreciated. To connect and stay in the loop, please follow along through Instagram on WellWellPodcast. Until next time.